You're listening to Proclaim Gospel Podcast, coming to you from Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Your host is Evangelist Joel Gunz. A pleasant good day to you, my brothers and my sisters. I'm back again with today's word. I promised you this morning that the word would be out today. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Ruach HaKodesh, is my boss. And when he inspires me or when he impresses upon my spirit a word, then I bring the word. I always wait for him. For he is my guide. Oh yes, he is my teacher. He's the only one who mentors me. I go to his word and he communicates with me through his word. And that is what you must do. You must always wait for Yahweh to give you a word in due season. And as I said, today's word is when a husband called his wife wretched and miserable. We will look at a dictionary definition. I like to always do that so that, you know, you can focus or have something to hold on to mentally. The word wretched means very bad or unpleasant. Very poor in quality or ability. Deeply afflicted, dejected or distressed in body and mind. Being or appearing mean, miserable or contemptible. Very poor in quality or ability. Bear this definition in mind as we go throughout this very intriguing study of the word. We will get back to the word after this. You're listening to Proclaim Gospel, coming to you from Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Your host is Evangelist Joel Gums. Welcome back to Proclaim Gospel. Once again, the topic is when a husband called his wife wretched and miserable. I gave a definition from Merriam-Webster dictionary as to the meaning of the word. I know you husbands, you don't go around calling your wives wretched and miserable because you chose her, after all, to be with her until death do you part. So if you chose a miserable or wretched A contemptible, mean, young woman for your wife, then I believe you are the other half, husbands. All right, so now let's look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 19. Solomon was a man who was very experienced with women. Oh, he had a thousand of them at his disposal. And in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 19, it says here, It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Yahweh have mercy on any man who has an angry and contentious woman living with God. He has to live in the wilderness. Today we say in the dog house. Proverbs 27 verse 15, he continues to say, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Oh yes, a bad overcast day. A bad day. When it's raining all day, you can't go out to the supermarket without being drenched. You can't do a lot of things. Hey, on a rainy day, just continually raining. 
the man of Yahweh saying that a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Women, wives, please don't be like this to your husband. Be like the sun, the sun rays coming out in its beauty and splendor so that your husband may rejoice with you. But let us look at what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32 and verse 30. Yahweh is saying something here. He says, For the children of Israel and the children of Judah have only done evil before me from their youth. For the children of Israel have only provoked me to anger with the work of their hands, said Yahweh. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 7. It says, Remember and forget not how thou provokest Yahweh thy Elohim to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until you came unto this place, you have been rebellious against Yahweh. So Solomon is saying that a woman is like a rainy day and he'd rather live in the wilderness. And it's better to live on the housetop than to live with a nagging woman. My brothers and my sisters, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ability to look to your word today for guidance and for counsel. I pray that as we open your word, Holy Spirit, that you will saturate our hearts and our minds and soften the hard hearts and, and loosen the stiff necks out there that we would learn and live by your word, I pray, Father in heaven. So, Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. In your Son's name with thanksgiving. Amen. I'm talking about something today that is bigger and more important than a man's relationship with his wife. What am I talking about today? Follow me closely, brothers and sisters. Let us look at Hosea chapter 2 and verse 19 and 20. I'm going to be reading from the New, the New Living Translation. It says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. Wow, our Elohim, Yahweh, is a romantic Yahweh also, an Elohim of deep love and devotion and affection and knows how to treat a woman. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as Yahweh. Men, we have a lot to learn from Yahweh, our Creator. You see, he's telling us how to treat a woman. Yes, we ask for forgiveness to the wrongs, for the wrongs that we have done towards our wives, the wives of our youth, because we are learning now from the greatest husband known to man, Yahweh, our creator. Now let us go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Yeshua also loved the church and gave himself for it. We are going to go now to Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 to 18. We are talking about a church by the name of Laodicea. It was the church in Laodicea. And let me give you a backdrop, some historical facts about Laodicea. Laodicea is located in Turkey. At first, Laodicea was not a place of much importance. That's where the seven churches were located. But it soon acquired a high degree of prosperity. In 220 BC, Accius was its king. In 188 BC, the city passed to the kingdom of Pergamon. And after 133 BC, it fell under Roman control. Towards the end of the Roman Republic and under the first emperors, 
Laodicea, benefiting from its advantageous position on a trade route, became one of the most important and flourishing commercial cities of Asia Minor, in which large money transactions and an extensive trade in black wool were carried on. So the church was in an area that was very lucrative, very wealthy area in trade. It was on the trade route. It's just like us here in the British Virgin Islands. We are located at the top or northern side of the Caribbean. And we are very close to Puerto Rico, to Miami. And we boast ourselves as being the envy of the Caribbean. All right, so that's just a backdrop of Laodicea. And we're going to go down and see how Laodicea, the church in Laodicea, behaved itself. Being in an area where it was very conducive to trade and wealth. And we're going to see if it affected this church. John the Revelator penned these while on the Isle of Patmos at the age of 90. Banished out there because they tried to kill him by cooking him in a pot of oil. But he just would not cook because Yahweh had a work for him, and in his isolation, he was given revelations for the church. And today, we are benefiting from these revelations of the things that are to come on the earth. And verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. And Laodicea, by the way, means lukewarm or indifferent, especially in religion, as were the early Christians of Laodicea. So he says here, unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of Yahweh. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 first to get an idea as to why this book of Revelation is so important to us. It says here, the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah, which Yahweh gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. So we recognize here that this book is a very important book. But I'm zeroing in on the church in Laodicea. Continues in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. In other words, Yeshua is saying that I would prefer that you would be hot or you would be cold. But you are neither hot nor cold. Imagine someone gives you at breakfast some lukewarm tea to drink. Let me ask you something. What would you do with that tea? As much as you want to be respectful, you will not drink that tea and you will tell the person that the tea has lost the heat. It has no heat in it and it cannot be palatable because tea is supposed to be hot. Unless it is iced tea, it's supposed to be cold because you won't drink hot iced tea. No, you will drink cold iced tea because it says iced tea. So why would you give me lukewarm tea to drink? So come on, let's follow the word of Yahweh today. So then because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. In other words, the Most High, His Son, Yeshua Hamashiach, the Savior of the world, is saying, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow! Because you say, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. My goodness, this is a, what you call a smash down, a smack down, Yeshua Himself. 
who is the husband of the church, who died for the church, is telling his bride, the church, remember in Hosea, he said, I will marry you. And he said now to his bride, woman, you are a wretched woman. You are not only wretched, but you are miserable. But no, you're not only wretched and miserable, you are poor and you are blind and you are naked. You are destitute, in other words. You are one miserable woman. Oh yes, this is what Yeshua is saying. And remember, one of the definitions for wretched is deeply afflicted, dejected, or distressed in body or mind. This woman was so dejected and depressed, distressed in her body and her mind, that her husband Yeshua is saying to her, Listen to me, man. Woman, you are miserable. You are wretched. You are naked. You are poor. You are blind. And you think that you have. Wow. These are some hard words from the scripture. They're not coming from me. So I'm happy that I can hide behind Yahweh. Yahweh, I'm going to hide behind you today because this is a hard word and I have to bring it today. We're going to get back to that verse, verse 17. But let me go down the road. Let me keep going down. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you mayst be rich, and white raiment that you mayst be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. So her husband now is saying to her, Woman, buy of me gold tried in the fire. So the the gold that is being tried in the fire is the faith that Yahweh is telling this woman, this church of his, this bride of his, buy gold of me tried in the fire, removed of its impurities and its dross and its tin and its alloy. He's saying, buy that gold from me, polished, beautiful gold, faith tried in the fire. Yes, this is what Yeshua is saying. And he says, listen, not only gold, not only gold that you might be rich, but I want you to get from me also white raiment because you're just a naked woman and you're an embarrassment to me. So buy white raiment, put on white raiment that the nakedness of your shame be not seen, that people wouldn't see your ungratefulness, your misery. People wouldn't see that you are a worthless woman. Oh, wow. And not only that, Yeshua is saying, hey, not only those conditions exist, but you are so blind that I want you to anoint your eyes with the eye salve. You see that you may heal your spiritual glaucoma and your spiritual cataract because you are blind as a bat and you are as poor as a church mouse. So I'm telling you, woman, buck yourself up, get yourself together, clean yourself up because you're just a blind woman also. And he's saying to, to this church, put on the eye salve that you would see where I'm. Put on the eye salve that you may be healed of your blindness, that you would see the light that I am shining upon you, the light, the precious, glorious light coming from heaven. This is the light that I want you to see. Yes, my wife. So put on the eye salve that your spiritual glaucoma and your cataracts will go away. And he says also, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I am knocking for you to hear. Woman, I am knocking on your door that you may hear and allow me to come in, that I can clean you up, that I can sup with you, that I can dine with you, that I may show you my love because I have said already in Hosea that I will marry you and I will look after you. I will nurture you. I will nourish you. You are my bride. So Yahweh is on the outside. Yeshua is saying, I am on the outside knocking. And if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in to you and I will sup with 
with you and you with me. This is the relationship that Yeshua wants with his bride, his estranged bride who has, who has, as it were, have gone her own way and looking so naked, has no clothes, has cannot even see, is so poor and wretched. This is the condition of the church today. I don't care how beautiful your church is on the outside. I don't care how beautiful it is on the inside. How many beautiful curtains you have hanging from it or how good your chandeliers look, how gold and polished they are, that you have wall-to-wall carpet and you have air conditioning and the best, the best utensils inside there. I don't care if you have the best choir or you have the best organist. I don't care if you got the best drummer. It doesn't matter if you have the best praise team. All of that is nothing because you are just miserable, wretched, blind, poor, and naked. That is the condition of Yahweh's church today. And when I was pondering this message, I was saying to myself, man, look at the world today. Look at the world today and look at the church today in the world. Sometimes you can't even differentiate between the church goers and the disco goers, the party goers. Sometimes the, I'm going to say something that's going to be hard. When you go to church, sometimes you see the, the sisters or the sistering, uh, the women in church, they're dressed in such a way that they look like prostitutes, some of them. Oh yes, yes, uh, look at their shoes, look at their hairdo, look at the clothes, they, these um, silky dresses that, that hug their bodies, their curvaceous bodies, and they have a, they're bold and beautiful, they're big, they're, they're, they're full. I don't know how to describe that, but I'm putting it in the best way I can. And these clothing is clinging them and hugging them. And all you are seeing is this person walking in, waddling and whining. You cannot even tell if that person is a Christian. The church ladies are not looking like how they used to look a hundred years ago. I'm not telling you to come to church with a maxi on or touching your ankle or tripping up. No, I'm telling you to dress modestly, women, because sometimes you can't tell the church sisters from the party goers or the night women. You cannot tell them. I have seen with my own eyes. They sit in church and they can't sit down properly when they're on the platform. They have to cross their legs or turn to the south or not the or turn to the west or turn to the east because they're uncomfortable and when they go up to sing or to do anything they're so tighter their bust is so tight and and they're so full i i don't know i i just can't get it understand the church has lost its identity and men i'm coming at you too and and these men are wearing these tight pants and going to church and these tight pants and they look like male prostitutes yes i'm talking some hard word because this is the condition of the church that yahweh himself yeshua himself says that you are wretched miserable poor blind naked so if that is the condition of the church today accept it because yeshua himself is describing the church today like that this is what i'm seeing and these songs that we are playing and, and singing in church taken from YouTube, look at how the way these ladies dress. Look at how they dress. Come on, man. Look at them. And we take these songs and we are playing them in church for worship sessions. We have thrown away the hymnal. We don't want the hymnal. The hymnal is too old-fashioned. Give me Shinak. Give me Mercy Chinwo. Give me these people. Yes, give me these African music. But look at these people. Look at how they dress. You cannot 
identify the church today. The church thinks it is rich, but it is poor. The church thinks that it has the goods of the world because of the location. Yes, our churches here may look very good. Yes, they may be well painted. Yes, we may have the best equipment, but look at the hearts of the people who are going there. Wretched people, miserable people, naked and destitute of the Holy Spirit. This is the condition of the church today, and it is coming from Yeshua himself, Yahweh's son, Yahweh himself. So if you have a problem with what I'm saying today, then you have got to send a fax or an electronic email to, to heaven and tell them, hey, that evangelist Joel Gums is preaching some hard words today, and maybe he will give you a response. I don't know, but you can try it. So we're going to go down now and dissect this and see how far we reach. So he's saying here, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking to get inside there. Let me in. Let me fix you up, church. My bride, let me fix you up. Let me in. So because Laodicea was a prosperous town, and doubtless some of the Christians that were there were well-to-do, apparently this church had suffered no serious persecution. Pride in its prosperity led naturally to spiritual complacency. Does that sound familiar today? Yes, we are in the British Virgin Islands. Yes, we have all these uh, offshore companies, over, over half a million of them. Yes, we have so many of them. But we are so complacent that we behave so doggish sometimes and without love and empathy towards our brothers and sisters from the other islands. And we treat them with consternation. We treat them, we, can't, we look down upon them and we frown upon them. This may be the same condition that Laodicea had. You see, of itself, wealth is not wrong because Job was wealthy, Abraham was wealthy. However, the possession of wealth subjects its possessor to temptations, to pride and self-complacency. And against these, his only protection is spiritual humility. So the richer you are, the more spiritually humble you are supposed to be. You are supposed to just give to the poor until it hurts. Give, give, give. Because when you give, it will come back to you. Press down and shaking together and running over. Give to those around you. So the church in Laodicea was rich, you see. But she had a big problem. She was so blind like a bat that her husband just had to tell her, listen man, you're just a naked, miserable, wretched woman. Christians who are poor in earthly possessions feel themselves rich and increased with spiritual goods, yet are like the ancient philosopher who proudly proclaimed his humility by wearing a torn and threadbare robe. You see, the pride they take in their assumed spirituality shines forth through the holes in their garments. The possession of important truths held only on the level of intellectual acceptance but not allowed to permeate the soul leads to spiritual pride and religious bigotry. That is deep. Even the church of Yahweh, strong in the structure of its organization and rich with jewels of truth, can easily become a doctrinal bigot and immorally proud of its riches of truth. Yes, many people, many people who are Christians can become bigots. Let me tell you something. You don't look down on other people. You don't push yourself up over them because you think that you are high and mighty and everything is going for you and they're out there and they have nothing and you have everything. Don't discriminate against people for who they are or where they're from. The sin that is most nearly hopeless and incurable is pride of opinion, self-conceit. This stands in the way of all growth. Humility of mind is fully as important in Yahweh's sight as humility in heart. I'm going down and I'm, I'm dissecting this passage here. I'm dissecting this passage. Increased with goods. <laughs> Increased with goods. 
Oh yes, listen to me carefully. In other words, it literally means have become richer, have prospered. Not only does the Laodicean church claim to be rich, but she also makes the fatal mistake of considering that these riches are the result of her own labors. Have mercy. Listen to what Hosea says in Hosea 12.8. And Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich. I have found me out substance. In all my labors, they shall find none iniquity in me that were sin. So this church now believes that they have gotten their own wealth by their strength, you see. And they're saying that, and the church in Laodicea is saying she has need of nothing. The climax of the Laodiceans' boast is that their situation could not be improved. Such self-satisfaction is fatal, for the spirit of Yahweh never enters where a need for his presence is not felt. Yet without that presence, newness of life is impossible. So when Yeshua came to earth and he, he told the Pharisees and the scribes, listen to me, I didn't come to save you guys who are righteous, you know. I didn't come to save you self-righteous people. I came to look for the sinners. I came to look for the Mary Janes out there and the Johnnies and the Joels. I came to look for them, not you out there who are thinking that you don't need my salvation. You see, you are saving yourselves and we're going to see how that's going to play out on the day of judgment. That's the way these people were behaving. When you think that you have all and you don't need anything, one of these days is going to come crashing down on you and you're going to need the help of many around you like we have seen here in Tortola. And they didn't even know. And the scripture says that they don't even know. The church in Laodicea did not even know that she was in a hopeless situation. You see, the ignorance of their true condition that characterizes the Laodicean Christians stands in sharp contrast with Yeshua's certain knowledge of the true condition of his churches as reflected by his repeated assurance to each. I know thy works. And read the whole of Revelation chapter 3 and you will see how Yeshua spoke to all of the churches, Laodicea being the last church. One must first acknowledge that they're in a bad situation in order for them to be helped. So if you are going around high and pompous with your head in the cloud and you don't even realize that you are the most miserable human being on earth, nobody can help you. You must first come to the realization and accept that your situation is one that is dire and that you need help. But Laodicea did not think she needs help until Yeshua came and told her, you need all the help in the world that you can get and I'm here to give it to you. So now let's get to the word wretched. Yes, Yeshua said that you are wretched, naked. This is the true picture. It's a true picture and is exactly the opposite of the boast made by the Laodicean church. Instead of being rich to the point of needing nothing, this church is in reality so much a pauper that she even lacks clothing. Wow, that is a hard blow. The church says that it is rich or think it is rich and have no need of anything. But her husband is saying that, listen to me, you are a pauper. That attests to the fact that you don't even realize that you are in big need. The church was in reality so much a pauper. Oh, my brother and my sister, that she didn't even have clothing. So her husband is saying, buy of me. Without this much effort, the Laodicean church cannot attain the standard Yeshua would have her reach. The things he offer her are not without their price, yet salvation is free. She must give up her old way of life to truly be rich, to be healed, and to be clothed. Even she who is penniless can buy. And that is why Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, Ho, everyone that thirsted, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, 
come ye buy and eat come ye buy wine and milk without money and without price so here it is now without this much effort the laodicean church cannot attain the standard which yeshua would have a reach and she's so poor and broke and a pauper that he's saying to her come and buy salvation even that is free come and get it come and get free salvation and but you must give up your old way you must give up the old way of thinking you must give up your pompousness you must give up your arrogance you must give up your wretchedness and come and clothe yourself with my robe of righteousness with my salvation because only me only me Yahweh can save you and he says to come and buy gold you see this represents the spiritual riches offered as Yeshua's remedy for the Laodicean spiritual poverty this figurative gold may be interpreted as referring to faith which worketh by love. Galatians 5.6 and James 2.5. Read it for yourself and the works that result from faith. And let's look at 1 Timothy 6.18. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. This is the gold, the richness of Yahweh's love for the church. He's asking them to come and buy this gold. Yes, purify your faith. Purify it and show good works, I say, Laodicea, my wife. Tried in the fire, literally fired out of fire. That is gold that has come forth from the fire with its dross burned away. When you look at gold in its natural state, if you don't have a trained eye, you will throw it away as a piece of junk. But when that gold has met the fire and you put it into the fire, it purges out all of the dross, all of the silt, all of the alloy and the tin, all of the impurities, and it comes out pure beautiful gold this is what Yahweh wants to do with his church this is what he wants to do with the church burn the dross away burn your dross away many of you church goers many of you yes you are only going to church because if you don't go somebody's going to call you and ask you why you are not going you are not going out of a heart of love for Yahweh you are not going out of pleasing Yahweh you are going out of obligation to please a man who will going to ask you why you didn't come to church are going to call you and because you don't want to be hegged you go to church but your heart is still far away in a wilderness so why are you going to church to please man well might as well you stay home if you're going to church to please man Job chapter 23 and verse 10 says but he knoweth the way that I take when he had tried me I shall come forth as gold Yahweh is going to purge his church of the dross. Yahweh is going to purge his church. Look at this COVID-19. Shut down the churches and had us worshiping in groups of, of maybe 10, 20, and 50. Now we're at 100. Now we are shut back down again and they're lessening the amount of people that can show up in church. So if the church has lost its credibility in society, lost its credibility in the world, then the best thing to do is shut down the churches. Now they are crying for the churches to be opened because they want their tithes and offering. You see these lazy pastors today, these lazy pastors who don't want to work like Paul. Paul said he works with his hand and he urged the other brethren to work also with their hands. He didn't take up money from them. No, they gave him gifts. They gave him offerings of love. Yes, he accepted that, but he says he worked and he is not a burden to the other members. So these lazy pastors today using the tithe for their own aggrandizement to fly around in, in private jets and, and to have bodyguards and to buy guns and, and to wear their expensive clothing and their suits and the people in the church are poor and hungry. Yes, I'm talking to the miserable, wretched pastors out there. So he's saying, hey, white raiment, 
now offered in contrast with the Laodiceans' nakedness, which stood out so, so hideously in the face of their own boast that they had need of nothing, the white raiment may be understood as the righteousness of Yeshua. Read Galatians 3.27, Matthew 22.11. I'm giving you your assignments, you see. This figure must have had special significance for the Christians of Laodicea, for their city was famous for his black woolen cloth. And now this is a great insult. Yeshua just slapped the church of Laodicea with this insult and says, listen to me, you think that you have clothing because you have this black wool, this precious wool, this expensive wool, this talk of the town wool that all the other cities and, and countries around coming to Laodicea to trade in your black wool. And because you have this black wool you think that you are well clothed but you are just naked you are just naked Laodicea so in other words he's saying you are naked and destitute of my Holy Spirit and I'm asking you to put on my robe of righteousness that your nakedness be not seen this is a hard message but I have to preach it and now we go to the eye salve in other words this is a little role you see, the ancient eye salve came to be known by the shape of the package in which it was wrapped. Near Laodicea was a temple to the Phrygian god. A famous school of medicine grew up in connection with his temple. And here an eye powder might be secured. This fact may form the background of the figure here used, the eye salve. You see, the figurative eye salve here offered the Laodiceans is heaven's antidote for their spiritual blindness. You see, sometimes only heaven can come and tell a man his real condition. Because maybe if a pastor had come and tell this to the Laodicean church, they would have stoned him or hung him up at dawn. But it takes Yahweh to tell you and me our true condition. When we think that we are it, we are nothing. When we think we are something, we are nobody. When we think we are rich, we are poor. When we think we can see, we are blind. This is Yahweh. He tells us just as it is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16, 8 to 11. The Holy Spirit brings a sight. It brings a spiritual sight that you may be able to see spiritually. And only through his convincing and convicting work, on the heart can spiritual blindness be removed. This eye salve may also be thought of as representing that spiritual grace which enables the Christian to distinguish between truth and error and being right and wrong. Too many churches are out there holding on to one scripture of error and they think that that is the gospel truth and they build churches and they're blind and ignorant of the truth. But they don't have the Holy Spirit, you see. They just want to be out there by themselves, being called by the name of Christianity. But they're destitute and the people who go there are just as destitute. This eye salve is needed for many people that represent the spiritual grace which enables the Christian to distinguish truth and error. And today many people are going to hell because of this error that their pastors are telling them, this error that they are preaching to them every Sunday. And many people are going straight into hell for that that thou mayest see. That is, see the sin as Yahweh sees it and realize their own real condition as a prerequisite to repentance. So if you don't see that you are going down a slippery slope to perdition, then no one can save you. You first must accept that you are sinful, dirty, and filthy and ask Yahweh to clean you up. So this is where the eye salve comes in, that you may see your true condition and recognize that you're in a bad shape. And so therefore, as I come to the conclusion of this tough, hard, 
hard to swallow pill. Revelation 3.18 again says, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that thou mayst see. Get rid of the spiritual cataract. Get rid of the spiritual glaucoma. Put on my robe of righteousness. Come and buy gold tried in the fire that thou might be rich because you're just a miserable, poor, blind soul. That is the condition of the church today. Do you want to accept this counsel from Yeshua? Are you accepting this rebuke? from Yeshua himself who died for the church, who gave himself for it? Or are you going to resist and take up stones to stone the preacher or to fuss with Yahweh that he was too tough, he was too harsh against you, his bride? Well, it's either you do what he says or then you're not going into his kingdom. So today I pray that this word has been a blessing to you, that it will dress you up and make you rich in the things of heaven. Let us pray. Father, today your word is truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Yahweh, we are in a bad state right now. We are just blind and naked. We are wretched. We are miserable. We think that we are rich, but we are nothing but poor, blind, broke spiritually. So I pray that you will help us to open our eyes that we might see. We may take from you the eye salve that you may open our eyes and heal us of our spiritual glaucoma and spiritual cataract. Father, help us to be rich with the grace of your love. Help us, Father in heaven, to put our eyes and, and our affections on things above, that you may fill us up with your grace, O Father in heaven. I thank you for your word today. And Yahweh, I pray that you will forgive us for our condition and help us, Father in heaven. We need your grace. We need your mercy. Fit us for your kingdom. You said that you are outside knocking on the door to our hearts. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit that we may open the door and allow you to come in and fix us up and make us that which you want us to be. Your bride whom you will present to your father on that day without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing that you will present us a glorious church to your father. This is my prayer, Father in heaven, with thanksgiving in your son's name. Amen. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, you can write us at Proclaim Gospel, P.O. Box 336, Rowtown Tortola, British Virgin Islands. Or you may email us at proclaimgospelvi at gmail.com. Our telephone number is 1-284-547-4601. If you desire Bible studies or prayer, please contact us. Yahweh bless you.